Welcome to the Sabbath School Rescue Podcast with your host, Buster Swoops and Michael Campbell. This week in preparation for Sabbath, October 7th, we look at Lesson 1, God's Mission to Us, Part 1. Together, let's look at the overarching theme of God longing to be with us and our response to Him. The Sabbath School Rescue Podcast is hosted by Michael Campbell and Buster Swoops at the Adventist Learning Community. Together, we love learning and have 18 years of pastoral experience, and now we have the privilege to dig deeper into the study. All right, Michael, here we are, beginning of a new quarter. Can you can you imagine that? Hard to believe. It's yeah. moving quickly, and we have a great bonus episode here pretty soon if people want to check it out. I listened to tidbits of it, and it's it's amazing. So please listen to that, and let's get on with this. God's mission, my mission. And this week's, lesson, yes, this week's lesson is God's mission to us, part one. Our memory text comes from Genesis chapter 3, verse 9. Then the Lord God called to Adam and said to him, where are you? Where are you? Uh, there's, there's a lot to unpack just with that question, right? Absolutely. And as we move forward, as we look at this, the Sabbath afternoon's text mentions here, mission finds its origin and purpose only in God. And with that in mind, we're going to go ahead and uh, jump forward to Sunday's lesson, the God who reaches out to us. Absolutely. So we're starting a new quarter and it's all about mission and mission begins in relationship to God. And we're better to begin than right at the beginning where God created Adam and Eve. And there we have the, the context. It's the Garden of Eden. And we have, of course, the uh, terrible tragedy of the advent of sin. And, and as we look at what is taking place here, you know, of course, we know the story how God had given instruction to help avoid what you know, potentially could happen. And of course it did. But when that takes place, there is this conversation. And even before there's a conversation, mm -hmm. there is intentionality. God is looking for them. And so as he's searching, and, and that's where we have verse nine, but the Lord God called to the man, where are you? Right. So he's looking, saying, I'm trying to find you. Of course, God knew where they were. It's not like God didn't know the omniscient <laughs> and everything else. But it's this uh, relational connection where God is making sure that they know that he cares about them. He's seeking them out. And of course, then Adam responds, I heard you in the garden. I was afraid because I was naked. So I hid him. And, and, and God says, who told you you're naked? Ooh. And and of course, he knows what's happened too, right? It's not like he doesn't know. Have you eaten from the tree that I commanded you not to eat from? I mean, anybody that's a parent can understand this, right? Yes, they can. <laughs> Who hasn't, when your child has done something you know they shouldn't have done, you're like, hmm, this seems strange. I wonder how this could have happened. <laughs> <laughs> and, and of course, you know the story. Well, he blames Eve, the woman you put her here with me, you know, she gave me the fruit. And then of course, God responds, what have you done? And of course, the key thing here, the serpent deceived me and I ate. And so here we have the advent of sin, but at the very beginning, at this pivotal moment, Buster, we see that God had a plan and, you know, mission. And we're talking about Adventist mission, but, but it's really, yeah. it's God's mission and it's, the mission of 
salvation, of restoration, and an understanding of who God is, that God reaches out to us first. Yes. Uh, we, we can't save ourselves. It, it's God that makes that all possible. And coming back to this relational aspect, what makes God want to do that, right? And, and that's where there is a sense of longing, which leads us to Monday's lesson. Yeah, the God who longs to be with us. And Michael, dovetailing off what you shared, it's, it has to start with God's mission because even the title of the, of the Sabbath school uh, uh, quarter, this, this quarter, is God's mission, my mission, not my mission, God's mission. So mm. we don't inform God's mission. God informs ours. We join God. God does not join us. Uh, Absolutely. So he leads, we follow. But with that being said, the reason why God even created man in the first place is because he wanted to be with us. And then we see here in the story of Abraham, Abram, before his name was changed, Genesis 17, verse 7, uh, shares with us, I will establish my covenant as an everlasting covenant between me and you and your descendants after you for the generations to come to be your God and the God of your descendants after you. Uh, very similar to that is 26 verse 3. Stay in this land for a while and I will be with you and will bless you for you, uh, for to you and, and your descendants, I will give all these lands and will confirm the oath I swore to your father Abraham. Uh, and we so, so we see here as well uh, later to, to Jacob here, I am with you for uh, Genesis 28, verse 15, I am with you and will watch over you wherever you go, and I will bring you back to this land. I will not leave you. I have done what I have promised you. And so we see here this longing to be with man, but not just uh, mankind, but those who have endeared themselves to God. Uh, there's an even stronger longing. I, I'll take that back. God longs to be with everyone. But not everyone longs to be with God. And those who even show an inclination of wanting to be with God, there's a stronger mm -hmm. bond that is created there. And that is the purpose, I believe, for every human being to find this bond that is strong because there is a volition of God. Of course, it's always there, but there's also a volition of man, the choice to say, God, I want to be close to you. I found it very interesting here talking about Exodus 29, 43. It says, what was one of the main purposes of the old sanctuary? Well, I, I'm thinking of, it's not listed here in the, the text, but Leviticus 25, 8, I believe, let them uh, make me a sanctuary so I may dwell among them. Uh, God wants to dwell among us. He wants to be within us. Uh, now we come forward to not just the New Testament, but here to 2020, we are the sanctuary. The Holy Spirit dwells in us. We no longer need Moses to intercede on our behalf. We can go directly before the throne with grace and mercy with boldness because of what Christ has done. And as a result of that, we see here, once again, God longs to be with us. And the question now is, do we long to be with God? And as we're talking about that, Michael, that actually leads us to Tuesday's lesson, the God who became one of us. Yeah. So just kind of segueing off of what you talked about. And as we look more into the Old Testament, we also see that there's some continuity with the birth of Jesus Christ. And there's two moments uh, here and they're all connected to the incarnation. The one of them is right before he's born and you have the story of Joseph, uh, his, who is about, who's pledged, you know, he's engaged to marry. And of course he is 
wondering what to do to put her away and divorce her quietly. And the angel comes right and and talks with them. No, take her home with you. And and what's happened is conceived from the Holy Spirit. And at the very end of this is this reminder from the words of the prophet, the virgin will conceive and give birth to a son and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. And the incarnation is probably no more clear moment of what mission means, what it is, yes. than to actually reflect upon the incarnation of Jesus Christ himself. You think about what does it mean to be a missionary, right? It means to go from one place to another. It could be across the street or around the world, but it's the same thing. You're you're becoming incarnational. You're putting yourselves yourself into the shoes of someone else. And yes. and and whether that's learning a language, if you go halfway around the world and you're living in a different culture where they do things differently. You have to learn that culture. You have to learn how people think, how they communicate, all of those things. And of course, there's lots of fun stories having spent time as a quote unquote missionary, you know, teaching at one of our seminaries overseas and in, in, in Asia is, you know, we began to think in ways that I'd never thought of before. And, and what there I goes. thought were very normal things to someone else might be very peculiar. And so we were learning back and forth. What does it actually mean to communicate? And so. This is what's beautiful is Jesus as a missionary. It was incarnational. He being God became human and he was able to show us the plan of salvation by actually living amongst us, being one of us, being actually really fully human. And, and that's where John chapter one, verses four, thir 14 through 18 talks a, a little bit more about the actual incarnation itself. This beautiful, the, these words at the beginning of, 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 John, the gospel of John, the word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. And we have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only son who came from the father full of grace and truth. So again, this idea of, of dwelling with us and, and that helps to reveal this relationship with the father and through which God and his plan of salvation, but even the very character of God and his love for us are actually made mm -hmm. known and that's that's just incredible it's profound and yes. and i i think that's what mission is all about it's it's looking and recognizing who jesus is and his mission his incarnation for us and we see what god has done who who are we anything we do in comparison just falls short it just should humble us to be you know well lord if you were willing to do that it's not such a great thing for me to to just get to know the neighbors on my street and and <laughs> you know what I mean? I mean, and 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 even people that do go to faraway places and some who even give their lives, it it falls woefully short when we think of the incredible and profound nature of the incarnation itself. God made flesh, God becoming human for us. It's it really should make us pause and think and reflect and say, Thank you, God, thank you. Thank you for what you have done for us. And by the way, it's not just God doing this a long time ago, a one-time thing, you know, because uh, I didn't live 2,000 years ago, but it's an ongoing relationship because our God is a relational God who continues to want to be with us. Yes. You know, Michael, that's a great segue into to my, my portion of the lesson, but I have to touch on what you shared and. What a, yeah. what a great picture of mystiology of, that Christ did, because we mm -hmm. also see that not only was he incarnational, but he also didn't receive uh, all the glory for himself. He deflected. True. And so mm -hmm. he took these 12 disciples and he poured into them. He says, now you go do the same. 
And those those effects are still lasting. Uh, similar to what you did in IAS, Michael. I know even while we were at Southwestern, when we went to SBL, which is a big religious meeting that we have from all around mm-hmm. the world, students you still had came, came to you and said, hey, your ministry touched me. Like, look where I am now. This is what I'm doing. And you have, you have uh, students that are now in, in high places because God has left them there, but it started with your incarnational ministry. And so, so I, I, I say that because it's not just that God was with us, but God continues to be with us. He continues to want to be with us. And the way that he does that is, and I truly believe this, he is interceding. And it's not just, oh, Father, please save them. I believe he's interceding, trying to get us to move to do what he is calling us to do. Uh, when he is interceding on our behalf, it's it's interceding, not saying, Father, please don't destroy them, right? There's this picture that we always have, but it's, Father, uh, Spirit, hey, what can we do to get Buster to actually go where I'm calling him to go, to do what I'm asking him to do? I, ha- I still have faith in him, and does he still have faith in me? Uh, with that being said, one of the top, I guess you could say, scriptures is here. It's Colossians chapter 1, verses 19 through, 19 through 20. For God was pleased to have all his fullness dwell in him, talking about Christ, and through him to reconcile to himself all things, whether things on earth or things in heaven, by making peace through his blood shed on the cross. What a beautiful picture that shows what Christ had to do in order for us to continue to be with him and how he still wants to be with us. And then ask, ask us, I know the audience is probably very familiar with this text, but it asks, asks us to reflect heavily upon John 3.16. And probably going to quote it with me as I read this, but this is the New International Version. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. What kind of love is that? What kind of mission is that? It's a mission and it's a love that keeps on giving and one that continues to invite us, but it shows us that love is not a passive, it's not a passive word. It's a, it's a verb of action. Mm-hmm. Love is packed with it. And so this yeah. is what Christ does. He loved us so much that he moved to do something with it. This is true compassion in, in, in action. This is true empathy. And as a result of that, if we believe in him, which is also a verb of action, continuing to be with God is belief in God then we will not perish, but have eternal, everlasting life. And I love uh, John 17. I believe it's uh, 2, 3, and 4. If you have a chance uh, in, your, in your words, please look that up later. But it says that eternal life begins when we know the Father. When we begin that relationship with Him, that's when eternal life begins. It doesn't begin when He comes the second time, which is coming up in Thursday's lesson here in a bit, but it begins when we start that relationship, that forever relationship. Continue on with this thought, Matthew 28, 18 through 20, very, very well known in Adventist circles, which is the great commission to go and make more disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, and teaching them to observe all things. And lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. And we see here, once again, God's mission is our mission. A friend of mine is saying he wants to what was he sharing with me yesterday? We we're talking and he was saying, when, he, when you read Proverbs 31, usually you read about uh, a lovely wife and you read it on Mother's Day and there's poems about it and everything else. He says, but what if uh, Proverbs 31 is actually about the church? 
what if the church is supposed to be doing all these things and it's about God's mission and it's taking care of what God is asking her to do and she is faithful and, and taking care of the things that God has called her to do? Well, if the church is going to be faithful, then the church is going to be following Matthew 28. I, I believe a lot of people in the church, though, are waiting for translation. They're sitting on their hands and they're saying, God, I've done everything I can do. And God is saying, no, you haven't, because I've called you to go out and make more disciples. I've called you, as you said earlier, Michael, to go to your neighbors, learn their names, and call, call upon them to follow me. Uh, Christ's method alone, right? Ministry of healing, page 143, is what we're called to live out. So the last question here, in what ways have you seen Jesus's promise uh, to be with you always being fulfilled in your own life as you're engaged in mission? Man, uh, Michael, we could go on for for years of just a podcast of ways that Christ has shown up in both of our lives and our family's lives, ways that we have disappointed him and he still hasn't given up. And that's the beauty of all of this, that he continues to be with us. And it's and not so, just a one-time thing either, you know, no, it's, and no. God continues to create and allow those opportunities to happen in each of our lives through the Holy Spirit. If we're just open to God's leading it could be just as simple as showing a simple act of kindness to somebody, you know? You, you know, Michael, uh, as I'm looking at a uh, correlation here, neuroplasticity of when, when, when the brain remaps itself, right? Mm -hmm. uh, re rewrites right. Uh, new pathways and everything else, the synapses and neurons, all that good stuff. I believe the plan of salvation is the same way in our lives. When we mess up, God comes in and he creates a new pathway. And we mess up again and he creates a new pathway. And so if we could see all the pathways that, that the Godhead has, has created for us in order to continue to be with him, I, I think we're going to be so astonished and amazed when we get to see our maker face to face. So, Michael, with that being said, tell us about the God who will come back for us. So, you know, I'm so glad we got that gospel commission in there because, I mean, how can you have a quarterly on mission without the gospel commission? <laughs> yes. <laughs> Thursday, we're talking about John 14 verses one through three, which is this beautiful promise that Jesus gives to his disciples. He's comforting them. And he says, do not let your hearts be troubled. You believe in God. Believe also in me. My father's house has many rooms. And if that were not so, would I have told you that I was going there to prepare a place for you? And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come back and take you to be with me that you also may be where I am. And I love in this passage that Amen. part of mission is, again, restoration of that relationship. We started out in the Garden of Eden, but here we have the promise of the earth made new and the most beautiful part of heaven is being in harmony and right relationship with with our Heavenly Father through Jesus, the Son, through the Holy Spirit. We're going to live in harmony for all eternity, growing in constantly. And, and so we have this great thing that we look forward to, um, that is heaven itself. And most of all, heaven is going to be about being, think about this for just a minute. You know, it, heaven's about this restoration of the relationship. So, you know, think about what it means to be Adventist. We go back to William Miller, throw a little Adventist history in here, right? You know, he is a deist for a while. He kind of loses his faith because he doesn't think that God really cares about him. God is some absentee landlord. He's a deist, right? Right. And then he has a transformation, which he sees God as an active, loving God who is involved actually in his own life and, and, and wants him to be saved. And 
this view of God completely changes. And, and then he wants to go and tell the world. He's impressed. He studies the Bible and Bible prophecy. But it doesn't make any sense to be an Adventist waiting for Jesus to come again if you don't know and love Jesus. Because of his love for Jesus that drove him to want to go and write and publicly share and, and all of the things that he would do that would be the genesis behind the second Advent awakening. And, and really, it was a precursor for our church today, the Seventh-day Adventist church, really kind of has its roots going back to that Millerite heyday, that revival, that movement. And so we're reminded if, if this is what it is all about, that God, our loving Father in heaven, wants to have that harmony restored. He wants to live once again. He wants to be like Adam and Eve, walking in the garden with us, right? Having, yes. so we can have a community and, and, and relationship with our heavenly father. And, and so it's to that end that he promises, say, hey, I, you've got something to look forward to. I don't know how it is for you, but for me, it, it helps to know if I have some things to look forward to. You know, we have some, maybe it's as simple as going on a date with my wife, you know, yep. or, or spending some time with my kids or we have some special trip planned right now that's Gillette with Campari next summer anybody has Pathfinder age kids you know <laughs> whatever it is you know and of course everything's planning you know how do we raise some money and uh, you know logistics related and dad have you gotten the tickets yet all, all of those kinds of things right and and so we have things that we look forward to and the the most important thing that God wants us to he wants us to be looking forward with eager anticipation waiting and hastening the day, the great day when he will come again. You, you know, Michael, something you said there that I, I don't know, just set off a alarm in my head is just when he comes back and as we're excited about it and everything else, just the fact that this is a positive reinforcement. Uh, mm -hmm. and, but for some people, it's a negative reinforcement because they're so afraid about their living salvation. Fear. Yes, mm -hmm. they're living in fear. And that's what relationship does. It moves us out of fear. Perfect love casts out all fear. So when your relationship with Christ, when your relationship with God, and you're you're assured of your salvation, you're not afraid of a reunion. Mm -hmm. Anyone, and listen here, I, I understand not everyone had great childhoods. Some of us were afraid when our parents came home, and some of us were excited when our parents came home. Our our Heavenly Father is such a loving, loving, the God, whole entire Godhead is a loving God, is a loving Christ, the loving Holy Spirit. And so therefore, as we focus in on that, it is a positive reinforcement, not a negative one when he says, I'm coming back. And so if there's fears struck in you, work on that relationship, build up that relationship with Christ, spend time basking in his glory, and you won't have to fear any longer. And here, I thought you were thinking that you're you needed to go out and get campery tickets for your, for your kids. <laughs> <laughs> Make sure you do that fast as well. <laughs> that's right. That's right. Well, you know, it was, you know, it's off to a great start. I'm so excited about this quarterly. And, and if you listen to the bonus episode with uh, Gary Krause, who the head of Adventist mission, you can find out because the, this quarter is actually coordinated by the Adventist mission center directors. So I don't know, probably a lot of people don't know what that is, but if you want to find out and how this quarterly came together and focused on mission, listen to that bonus episode. I'm really excited about it. And uh, you'll learn a lot about the behind the scenes of the current quarterly, which is uh, really, really cool uh, to know about what's going on with Adventist mission in our church today. But we're off to a great start. You know, it starts in the Garden of Eden, God searching for us and yes. his promise that not only did he do that a long time ago, 
but he's still searching for us. Amen. Well, this is another week, our first episode of a new quarter on Adventist Mission. Thanks for listening and joining us here at the Sabbath School Rescue Podcast. Until next week, this is Soup and Swoops signing out. As we wrap up, we want to give a shout out to our sponsor, the Adventist Learning Community, a ministry of the North American Division of Seventh-day Adventists. You can join us each week by subscribing on Spotify, iTunes, wherever you like to listen to podcasts. Also, make sure you share with as many people as possible and be sure to give us feedback by rating our podcast and go to our website, sabbathschoolrescue.org for each weekly episode.